the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, me, Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of Right now, this is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our good old friends over at Eat Your Coffee. Stay tuned in just a couple of minutes and find out how you can join the Eat Your Coffee revolution and energize the moment with each and every savory bite of an Eat Your Coffee bar and especially by using our promo code POWERTRIP when you head over to eatyour.coffee right now, right now, get over there. But hey, look, if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. You'll know it even in this interview. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, John Paz. And John, I know we just experienced an amazing one. So strap in, folks, as we are joined today by the one and only Billy Jack Haynes joining the two-man power trip, who will also be joining the two-man power trip at the Markout at the Meadowlands Convention this coming Sunday at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel. Please visit matmcon.com for more information. And if you will be in town for WrestleCon, you know it, ESS Promotions and ESSPromotions.com, sponsoring Billy Jack Haynes' appearance in the New York, New Jersey area. So ESSPromotions.com will have all of your signing times, all the information you're going to need to go and meet Billy Jack Haynes one-on-one, either at WrestleCon or at Markout at the Meadowlands this coming weekend. And John, this was an absolutely emotional uh, roller coaster of an interview with Billy Jack Haynes. He's one of these guys that we have been trying to get on for a couple of years, and <laughs> I don't think it disappointed even in the slightest bit 
because we cover a lot of wrestling topics. We cover a lot of hot topics. Uh, but again, you know, Billy Jack Haynes being who he is, uh, it's a very emotional episode. And I think uh, if you're listening to this, you're going to take a lot away after you're done listening to Billy Jack Haynes kind of preach on and tell us um, a lot of details about a lot of different topics. You know, it's funny with him. You just never know what direction he's going to go in. It's like, you know, you're talking about Portland one second, and he's often talking about uh, Calgary or talking about this, talking about that, and obviously talking about a lot of his history and a lot of different away from the wrestling stuff that he had going on in his life at different points. So it's kind of a, a wild roller coaster ride so definitely strap in it's going to be a real real good one obviously it's going to be real fun but there's so many different topics and different discussions that he goes into not only does he talk about vince jr but he talks about vince senior then we go into hercules and macho man and some great funny little quips and some funny little anecdotes on the honky tonk man so i mean there's so much good fun stuff in this interview i mean I feel like, you know, that uh, maybe this one hour plus interview with him may not be enough. We might have to bring him back for another one. But obviously, this one was primarily focused on Mark out at the Meadowlands. And obviously, bringing him into this great event is the legendary Eric Sims. And you can go to ESSpromotions.com, get all the info for WrestleCon as well as Mark out at the Meadowlands. And when you think about Eric Sims, you think about two things, Chad. You think about WWE and you think about AEW. And what do I mean? by that talking about work with eric and all eric wrestling not wwe <laughs> world wrestling entertainment and all elite all elite wrestling wwe work with eric and aew all all eric wrestling <laughs> the great eric sims yeah thank you so much for helping put this interview together and uh for bringing billy jack haynes to mark out at the meadowlands uh most specifically because obviously of our ties to mark out at the Meadowlands, but look, if you're going to be at WrestleCon, Billy Jack Haynes is a must. Uh, he's a very rare get if you're an autograph collector, um, but he's also just an interesting guy, and he's going to give you your money's worth just to shake his hand and just to talk to him because he can, like John said, take one sentence that you give him and just go off, and you will absolutely uh, feel the power of Billy Jack Haynes because he he's very invested in uh sharing his story and yeah we could bring him back again i'd love to talk to him about some topics we did not get into that he's been linked to in the past and he's very open to talk about these things but like you said as well this is not the right platform because today we want to talk about mark out at the meadowlands wrestlemania 3 it's tied into the wrestlemania weekend so john we did get a chance to talk about that so before we kind of wrap it up WrestleMania 3 versus Hercules. What can we say about it? It's one of the top show, uh, matches on the show. Uh, he talks about the uh, the infamous uh, blade job that uh, he bled like a stuck pig on television where we did not see that at that point and really made you feel invested in Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes hating each other and really having a legit battle over who had the better full uh, Nelson. The battle of full Nelson's baby. WrestleMania 3. Any match from that show always kind of sticks in my memory just because obviously the 93,000 Pontiac Silverdome Hogan Andre Macho Man Steamboat but you gotta throw it right up in there Hercules Billy Jack Haynes which had such a nice build to it and such a good build to it and two you know behemoths massive guys for that point and obviously the full Nelson was a super over super huge move at that point in time and you just didn't know who was going to win. Obviously, blood playing a factor in it as well. 
always kind of, especially as a young fan, always kind of uh, raised the eyebrows. He's like, oh, my God, you know, this is a a real, real hatred here. These two guys this is a real bitter feud. This is a blood feud, both literally and figuratively. So it's one of those things that you always get uh, doubly invested in a fan when anything happens, especially, you know, the, the rivalry gets kicked up a notch so anything kind of wrestlemania 3 always kind of elevates and especially when they put so much tv time and so much emphasis into the feud like they did with hercules and our guest today billy jack kane and we do get a hot topic in here talking about the uh, john oliver uh segment from this past weekend and uh really like uh almost in real time getting a reaction from billy jack kane so stay tuned that's at the beginning part of the interview, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be talking about that because Billy Jack Haynes really expounds on the uh, the segment that John Oliver had, and um, it's pretty interesting, folks. To so strap in for a, a real one, and that's the that's the key word is real with Billy Jack Haynes. So if you're going to be in town for Mark out at the Meadowlands this Sunday, please come by. Please say hello. And if you did hear it from listening to the Two Man Power Trip, we obviously want to hear from you directly so come over say hi to john say hi to myself and uh hope you enjoy mark out at the meadowlands it has been quite the task putting this show together the marketing the interviews and everything in between so this will be one for the ages so if you're in town please the meadowlands plaza hotel on on sunday april 7th from 10 a.m to 2 p.m mark out at the meadowlands featuring some of the greatest stars of all time headlined by good old jr Jim Ross to also include Stan Hansen and Tully Blanchard and Tito Santana and Danny Spivey and Butch Reed, Scott Putsky, Bob Roop, Scott Casey, the Tonga Kid, so many more. I mean, I'm just naming a couple off the top of my head. Missy Hyatt, who was just on with us last week, will be in attendance. If you're a wrestling fan and you're in the New York, New Jersey area, if you're going to WrestleMania, we're only a few miles away. So please make your plans. Actually, how can I forget? We just announced tonight. Um, Road Warrior Animal will now be in attendance at Markout at the Meadowlands. So it's a happening, folks. It's going to be going down this coming Sunday. So please, and also, if you're going to WrestleCon, stop by the ESS Promotions table. Tell Eric Sims, thank you for having Billy Jack Haynes come on with the two-man power trip. And head over to ESSPromotions.com to uh, WWE to, what is it, what is it, work with Eric? I don't want to botch it. But uh, we want to definitely send you to the ESSpromotions.com website. Learn what you can about where Eric Sims is going to be doing his thing. And again, thank you to the great super agent, Eric Sims. So let's wrap it up here nice. Let's get it on over to Billy Jack Haynes. We will see you at Markout at the Meadowlands. And enjoy uh, a very fun wrestling-packed weekend this, uh, these next couple of days. So strap in, folks. It's time to get real with Billy Jack Haynes. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. 
They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former world-class world television champion, a former two-time USWA World Heavyweight Champion, a former NWA Florida Heavyweight Champion, and of course, a five-time Pacific Northwest World Heavyweight Champion, he is the legendary Billy Jack Hate. Please enjoy. about the two-man power trip, John and Chad. So um, let's go for it, man. Let's do it. All right. Let's get it going right here and right now. Joining us on the line tonight is a former NWA Florida heavyweight champion, a two-time USWA world heavyweight champion, a former world-class world television champion, and a five-time Portland North Wrestling world heavyweight champion I can't believe we have him on the line. I am so pumped to be joined tonight by the one and only Billy Jack Haynes. Mr. Haynes, welcome to the two-man power trip. It's good to be on the two-man power trip. And just remember, in those championships, it's the promoter that always says who wins and who loses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whenever they picked Billy Jack Haynes, they were making the right decision because here we are. In the WrestleMania season, obviously we'll get into it in just a minute. Your huge tie to WrestleMania and the infamous WrestleMania 3 match. We'll get to that shortly. But we are so excited to have you a part of our convention this coming Sunday. Mark out at the Meadowlands at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel. You've got a huge weekend filled with WrestleCon and appearances and mark out at the Meadowlands. How are you feeling going into it and are you looking forward to this big weekend coming up? Well, yeah, I really am. I'm looking forward to, you know, I've been out of it for a decade. And before that, it was almost uh, one or two times. It was, you know, probably 30 years before I showed my face anywhere. So, yeah, I'm I'm honestly very excited about it, you guys. And uh, being on your show is a great lead-in to the promotion. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm really happy, extremely happy to be talking to you both. And you're going to be a part of the great ESS Promotions. Of course, Eric Sims uh, really doing it up, especially in his home territory of New Jersey and New York. And uh, really always rolling out the red carpet for all of his guests. And obviously, uh, you know, it's no different with a WrestleMania legend, with a guy, the resume of a Billy Jack Haynes. And again, I think we're just all really excited to have you around and kind of seeing you involved in the, uh, the entire uh, wrestling convention circuit again. It's really cool to have you back out and about. 
Well, the WrestleCon is exciting for me, you know, being in WrestleMania three. Uh, the downer about it is that so many wrestlers have passed away, like uh, my opponent, Hercules Hernandez, has, has passed away, and then Bobby Heenan just died a couple years back, and Roddy Piper. These are great friends that I lost, and the, emotion, the emotional end of this thing is, for a pro wrestler, guys, is absolutely gut-wrenching. It's de- yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you know, it's, I know it's how hard it could be for you guys, especially the camaraderie that you have and, and the friends that you make and the timeless, uh, you know, time you spend on the road and all those car rides and all that stuff. And it must be just, it's hard for you guys, but I'll give you from the fans perspective. It, it's hard to see the guys pass away, of course, but you know, we kind of take in those moments and we replay them like they're yesterday. And, and as being an old school fan, like I am, I don't watch today's wrestling product and it's nothing against the performers. It's nothing against anybody. I just can't get into it. I put on a tape of you versus Hercules Hernandez or, or seeing what you did in the, in the WWF when you first came in. And I can take myself back to being a six year old kid like it was yesterday. So all those memories come back full circle because you guys are a timeless generation. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that, you know, it makes the old school guys feel pretty good. Uh, the only thing that, you know, really hurts us is, you know, when you're making, you know, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen thousand a week in the in the major leagues, a lot of money, but we had no union, and that's a complaint that we all have: uh, having no union, having no benefits, having no time off, having to wrestle injured. I'm talking about with broken ribs or torn ACLs. Just dope yourself up. Basically, with the dope that we got from uh, Vince McMahon's doctors like Jahorian and Aston, so forth. And, of course, I'm no goody two-shoes is out in the open. And, you know, I used to be a cocaine dealer, and I'm ashamed to say that. But, you know, you you want facts, I'll give you facts. It's the truth. I'm ashamed of myself about it, but it happened. You know, you never are one to shy away from telling it like it is, and that's such an enviable uh, just attribute of your personality and you really you you throw everything out there and it's very it's it's almost reassuring to the fan that you know we see how hard you had to work and see all the different things that you had to do but you know kind of tying into you being on the show tonight I don't know if you had a chance to check this out but on HBO there's a show called last uh last evening tonight or something with John Oliver where he went on this gigantic about 20 minute segment uh, basically tearing apart the independent contractor joke that is the WWE structure, which, I mean, you guys have been fighting it for, for 35-plus years. Uh, have you had a chance to see this, or have you heard about this uh, this segment that he ran last night? Well, uh, our attorney, or, you know, really, it's a, we started together with uh, Bill Constantine, Bill Kairos, who has really... He's the best attorney we could have ever got. Now, he's the one who won the $1 billion for the NFL for concussion CTE. So uh, I contacted him back in 2014, and he took our case on. And I'm in an individual case uh, against Vince right now. It still hasn't been settled. And then there's 61 wrestlers, and wrestlers keep dying left and right, you guys. So... The whole idea is the fact that this independent contractor gimmick is so full of, you know what, how are we independent 
if Vince buys all of our tickets, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of airfare a week, he books us in the towns. Uh, he gives the finishes of the match. He controls us the entire way. But to say we buy our own hotel room, that makes us independent. We're we supposed to sleep in the middle of the street when he books us in these towns, L.A. to New York or whatever. Uh, that's what he's going on, that we're independent because of the hotel room. If you can honestly believe that, that's what he's doing. And that's what this piece was really trying to expose. It was uh, basically what you just said, but it was giving this this HBO platform and essentially kind of showing this to an audience that might not know much about the wrestling structure and also may not be uh, a, you know, a knowledgeable fan. Maybe if they watched in the past, they didn't know the, uh, the difference. But how the hell is it that he can still get away with having this independent contractor gimmick all these years later? Because, I mean, we've heard the tireless fights for unions, the chances that there's been for a union in pro wrestling. But how are we sitting here in 2019 and there's no changes that have been made yet? Another good question, you guys. Um... Jesse Ventura came up with one in, in 19, was after WrestleMania three in 1987, he wanted to form a union. And most of the guys were, uh, like I said before, it was like Yankee doodle dandy. Everybody was hurt. Uh, and when I mean everybody, I'll say, let's say 90%, 95, let's don't say everybody, but, uh, torn ACLs, broken ribs, a broken back dynamite kid had a broken back and was forced to wrestle in WrestleMania three, or he was not going to get paid. He had lost 45 pounds and he had just passed away and was my mentor. Uh, he actually helped train me and then in, in Calgary, Alberta. So he had to go out there with a broken back. And so with the first rib, as you see it, they slammed him on his back and I think it four or five stitches or staples out of his back. So Vince enjoyed this stuff. You know, I, I, I'm glad I got this forum to talk to you guys because I don't like the backstabbing of it at all. I, I'm as straight as forward a shooter as you're going to find in this industry. No one's going to say it like I am because it's just the way it is. Some guys will back away from it, not me. Um, you, you guys, your forum today and this HBO thing you're talking about is the greatest thing that could be happening to talk, just our lawsuit. But for the fans that are unaware of what's happened to professional wrestlers all during the past few decades and decades. Yeah, and they specifically mention, you know, the, the fact that there's been some high profile deaths, obviously. And the ones that they profiled were Eddie Guerrero's in 2005. They mentioned Roddy Piper's. They mentioned King Kong Bundy, who just passed away not too long ago. And again, always taking it back to the fact that there's some kind of dependency at some point by certain guys. There's so much abuse on the bodies, whether it be on the road on a nightly basis or no time for recovery or lack of access to health care. That, again, here we are in 2019. And when they take this week before WrestleMania to run this piece, they're introducing a whole new crop of people to the fact that you might watch this stuff, but here's what you don't know. And in 20, 30 years, the guys who you could be watching now, they might be in the same position. Now, are you John or Chad? This is Chad. C-H-A-D. Okay, Chad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, once again, man, this is, this is a, a great forum that you guys have going on here with me today. The King Kong Bundy, um, you know, I, I felt to allude to, was going to bring it up. 
had a table next to me a month ago, and if you want to talk about, I had to I had to break away uh, because I had just talked to uh, I got um, Chris Pally's was his name uh, Bundy on this lawsuit, and we had just talked. Um, I think it was probably ten days, two weeks prior to this event a month ago. And I broke down crying so bad. I mean, I mean, it hurt so bad because his, his table was was next to me, and uh, it was it was so emotional for me to see his pictures there that were signed, and um, him not being there. And uh, it hurt bad, man. And you see all these guys that have died. And honestly, if you do not perform back in our era. They would fire you. There's somebody would come in and replace you. So you're making ten, ten thousand a week, but you still had no job security. And so the fans need to understand that and realize that not only did the camaraderie, like you were saying earlier, we loved each other, no matter what. I mean, we back, we had each other's back, and um, it, it's this form, like I said, that helped bring is helped bring it out and. And, uh, you know, I'm one step away from another nervous breakdown, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm not looking for no pity from nobody. I never have and never will. Just that I love I love my brothers and sisters in this business and to see them die left and right from years of abuse that Vince McMahon put on us. Uh, and they say, why, why blame Vince? Well, why not? He's the one that went ahead and gave us non-prescripted drugs with several, four or five different doctors. Hell, we could have we could be in LA and then know we're going to be in New York the next day. And the hotel, we'd have a we'd have drugs waiting for us there at the, at the hotel that were overnighted to us, Federal Express. So we became actually, like I say, this was actually a pimp, and we were the prostitutes. It got to the point where we were so drug addicted that we honestly didn't care about the ten, fifteen thousand a week. We cared about the drugs. And, you know, you mentioned Chris Talley, King Kong Bundy, actually a good friend of ours and obviously a really good friend of the show, spoke to him a few days before he passed, and he always talked about, that, like, that golden era of wrestling. And do the fans still remember that golden era of wrestling? And I feel like they really do more than any other era of wrestling. They always remember those guys. And any guy that helped, it, you know, the LJN figure, anybody, you know, that's really a part of that golden era of the 80s, I think those fans are, are – truly never forget legends like Bundy and like yourself. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, it is, it was a golden era and, and I have also complimented Vince as far as being a, a genius, putting it all together, but to put it all together and to forget where you come from, to see these guys that, you know, we end up having to pay our taxes. A lot of guys had tax problems, of course, marital problems when you're working 90 straight days, and you're not home, uh, that was a difference between a regular territory and the WWF. You're on a plane five days a week in, in 90 days straight, 100 days. Some guys, you never got home most of the time. So uh, your marriage went through a living hell, divorce, uh, injuries, addiction, and eventually overdose and death. And let me just say this real quick. I think the greatest example of all is Kerry Von Erich of the great Von Erich family is Kerry uh, 
was addicted to drugs like 90, 95% of us were. And Vince knew this, but when Vince squeezed him out like a sponge and there was nothing left for Kerry to give out of Texas, what Kerry, they fired Kerry, uh, Vince did, knowing that he was his drug connection. So he had to make falsified prescriptions out and eventually he was going to go to prison. He fires him and less than two months later, you look it up, he ended up committing suicide, shooting himself in the heart on his Texas ranch there in Denton, Texas. So Vince is outright guilty as sin on that one. Kerry Von Eric had no other no other place to go. There's what I said, the pimp, and we were the prostitutes. He took his drugs away. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but that's that's the gospel truth. And it, it is a crazy, wacky world of professional wrestling. And, you know, you mentioned the Von Erichs, obviously, Kerry Von Erich, and his crazy story as far as world-class championship wrestling. Just put that whole Von Erich family, you know, and, and to kind of maybe put it on a, like a lighter note and a little bit of a, maybe of a happier note, did you enjoy the time you had in world-class, you know, outside of all the controversy, outside of all the tragedy? Because you kind of, that's kind of, you know, a good spot where you definitely, you know, kind of, rechristen yourself if you will you know you made a good name for yourself in world class obviously winning the tv title no no sir no i did not uh, i gotta be honest with you about that going to world class was a real downfall for me uh first of all eddie graham they say committed suicide and and i say he was murdered um it that's a long, too long a story to go into but uh that's what I know to have happened and they can say he committed suicide all he wanted to, but he had, had just died January 21st of 2005 when I was at world class is when I found out about it. So it devastated me and I was only there for a short period of time. And uh, that's why you'd see me roaming the earth. Uh, I was a uh, cocaine dealer at that time. And, um, you know, I sold an average of a kilo a day is what I did. I didn't, it was uncut Coke. And uh, that's what I did is I sold a kilo and commissioned at about $4,000 a key. So as devastating as that is to say, that's what happened. And uh, Andy Gibb of the Bee Gees, I'm sure you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he, he got uh, his, his start in the cocaine with me back in 78 in uh, the Cal, or, no, uh, Oak, Oakland Alameda County Coliseum at a concert. I sold him a kilo of cocaine, and that was the worst thing I could have ever done for that kid because he ended up becoming an addict, he ended up dying at 30 years old of you know, cocaine intoxication, just like Kurt Henning. And um, uh, so am I supposed to feel good on my end? No. I feel like a total piece of you-know-what. And... Um, and I don't need no one to say, oh, that's okay, Billy. It's No, it's not okay. I'm no better than Vince McMahon. And I want to make that very clear. At this point, how focused were you on the wrestling business? Were you looking just to completely get out of the wrestling business? Or did you still have a love and a passion for the business? But, you know, you had obviously you had your side businesses going on as well. Uh, that's another good question. Um I can see why you guys do what you do. And yeah, it, it, it's just a, 
you know, my father, I've been trying to seek who my father is. It could even be Vince. Uh, Vince and I could have the same dad, different mother. Don't know. Back in 52, it's a long story there. I don't know we got, how much, what's our time? How much time do we got here? Hey, wherever you're, uh, you're free. You're open. Whatever time, much time you want. Well, I come from a boxing family, a, a fighting family. And, uh, Boxing was the first love I had, and uh, I was a paid sparring partner back in the 70s to uh, Gary Corey and uh, Ron Lyle, Ken Norton. You know, big-time heavyweights, you know, oh, you yeah. get to yep. living crappy out of you. That's how you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you don't learn by getting in there with someone that you can handle. You get in there with somebody that can really go. And uh, so that's how I learned, was by getting the crap beat out of me. And that was my first love. And then I got, uh, my uncle was murdered and my mother was murdered. And um, it set me off on a, on a trailblazing, uh, gang-banging life that uh, just took me down the, the center of uh, boxing, wrestling, hit, because that was a good venue for, for drug trafficking. And that's how I got involved in it that way. And... Um, so, man, like I said, the time element, the, the boxing, that didn't pan out because my dad uh, went blind from juvenile diabetes, and then he lost his foot, and then my son was born. I had to make a decision whether I'm going to, uh, to be a father to my son or take care of my father, and I had that just couldn't do both, so I ended up taking care of my dad. And I lost my son over it, and that's the decision I made. So after I lost my son, I uh, I take care of my dad with the insulin shots and take him, uh, you know, from bed pillar to post, you may say, and took care of my dad. I loved him so much, and um, the insulin shots and all that. Like I say, the eating and the weighing the food, and then I put him to bed, and I go out and uh, go to work as a bouncer and and sell my coke and uh that was my life i was a i lived a phony life a horrific life but it's the life i showed and i uh, became mad at the world and then pro wrestling came about i'm not going to stick a knife in the back of uh of other wrestlers and other promoters but i think you know where i'm going there and i'm not but i'm not going to go there uh it's just a point that uh uh, you talked about the wrestling end of it, and that's how boxing turned to wrestling. Wrestling, as a, as a beginning, was kind of a joke to me, and my athleticism just took over from there um, to where Calgary, from Calgary to Portland, and then Portland to uh, Florida, and Florida is where the, where the big money was made in cocaine and wrestling. And that's that's that. You can ask me any questions you want. I'll I'll answer any question that you throw at me. I don't care what it is. You answer ask me anything, I'll answer anything. One hundred percent truth as I know it. I'm just curious, this is like strictly wrestling, but I'm just curious, how'd you end up in Calgary? Like I know if you said the boxing with the wrestling, but how did you end up all the way in Canada? Okay, I do uh I had just mentioned to you that I do not want to stick a knife in the back of any anybody. But um, 
it was uh, it was drug related. Oh wow! And um, if you go into the into Canada, you'll I don't think it takes a Rhodes Scholar really to figure it out. And uh, but I in almost in anything in life, and you guys know this, you follow the money. Mm-hmm. Yep. And wherever it ends up, that's that's where the corruption is. Now, as far as, as the wrestling end of it, though, you know, you're following them under, you're in Canada, you're in Calgary. How does Stu Hart and, and Dynamite Kid, and, you know, these guys, you said Dynamite Kid was your mentor, do they seek you out and say, look at this guy, you know, he's huge, he's in shape, he should be a wrestler, or is that something that you're kind of thinking that you're just going to slide from boxing right into wrestling? No, there was a guy, when I was in Portland, uh, there was three nightclubs I was working at. I was a uh, manager and bouncer at a club called the Stone Pony in Portland, Oregon. And I also had control of two other nightclubs, and then the Refectory and the Copper Penny. And I can mention those because they're all out of business now, uh, all three of them. And uh, back then, we, we would be called an eight ball, where you'd actually break down the cocaine, would, would sell it between 250 and 300 And it was Medellin Cartel Cocaine, which is the best you can get Pablo Escobar. And... So, you know, I, I would make myself around 15000 a weekend. And when that's a lot of money. And um, I would turn it into silver dollars. I'd never go to a bank or anything. So a guy that I go to Portland Wrestling, and once again, we don't want to go there. I don't want to go there with the wrestlers. I just, just want to say that a guy named Dutch Savage, who's a pro wrestler, said, uh, have me set up to go to Calgary. I went to Calgary. I, I met uh, the legendary Stu Hart. I went down to the dungeon. I wanted to see how tough wrestling was because, uh, you know, I was, I was a, I was like an, an A boxer, but uh, couldn't beat the A pluses. And uh, so I wanted to see how tough wrestling was. That was why I went down there. And I found out that it is tough. Man, it's tough. And these Canadian football players down there, they 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 couldn't handle it. And one thing I'll, I'll give Stu Hart and um, his, especially Brett. Uh, Brett was just unbelievably talented, and and tough. And Jim Neidhart was down there, and Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. And so I actually got a feel for it, a love for it. But I went back to Portland to continue the. Cocaine, of course, fifteen. I'm not going to pass up fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand a week. And I went right back to uh, Portland, did my thing, met a couple of wrestlers again, and then all of a sudden they said, "Well, look, once you get in the ring and see what you can do." And next thing you know, I'm in Portland wrestling. Well, that made my dad proud. So now I'm trying to make my dad, who's, who's blind in a wheelchair, and that's all he's got to look forward to a day is his son to the matches in Portland. So then I don't want to let my dad down. So I took him to Portland wrestling. He became a big celebrity and, uh, that made me feel so good for him. So I was, I had, I had Christ on one arm and I had the devil on the other. And it was a horrific life to lead. If you can imagine. Um, so, 
once again, I was happy and proud, and then I was a total piece of crap on the other end. You follow me? Yeah, kind of living a double life, and you were definitely, especially in Portland, definitely a big wrestling star, that's for sure. Kind of like the local territory there. You were huge in Portland. You know, I don't want to pat myself too much on the back. It's just that I, my my dad always, uh, my blind father, who was not my biological father, was the man. No matter if I find out who my father is, whether it's Vince uh, uh, Sr. or if it's uh, Lenny Montana, who was uh, uh, part of the Colombo, one of the five families there in New York, I don't know. But in 1952, I failed to bring this up. My mother uh, had an amateur fighter named uh, Harold Penland, who was pound for pound the best lightweight probably in United States history. And he went down there, and my, my mother went down there in 52 with him, uh, guided by Lenny Montana, who ended up being a pro wrestler, and uh, also with the Colombo crime uh, family. And Rocky Marciano had just won the world title in 1952. A knockout, and uh, that's when my mother was down there and met Jess. Jess McMahon was alive. That's Vince's um, grandpa, Vince Junior's grandpa. He was still alive in '52. Marciano just won the title, and Charlie Goldman was his trainer. He was a lightweight trainer. He had 300 pro fights. Well, he liked this guy that my dad was. Uh, my pardon me, my mother was uh, dating. And so he wanted to sign him real bad. They were there two days. During the course of the two days, my dad, or pardon me again, my mother had uh, an affair with both uh, Senior Vince Senior and Lenny Montana. So that's where the could have been my dad thing came up. My son is six foot seven. Lenny is six foot seven. Vince is six foot four. My blind father is five foot eight. So. Um, I hope I'm getting this right to you guys. Uh, so you do the math. That's where probably I was conceived right during that time in 52 because I was born 53 of July 10th. Wow. And imagine that if, uh, in kind of an ironic, weird little twist and turn, if Vince senior was somehow, you know, your father, that would be, kind of weird with you and Vince Jr., obviously, if if that were to be the case. Well, I'm trying to get a DNA test set up, and uh, I told Vince that I, do, I don't want any money. I, I don't want any of this billion dollars. It has nothing to do with money. I've been a millionaire. I was worth $8 million at one time. Uh, money doesn't mean anything to me, zero, absolutely nothing, nada. I just want to find out. And uh, my blind father is always going to be my, my father. I loved, loved him more than anything in this earth and ever, uh, anything. My, my blind father was it. I just want to find out who my biological father is. And, um, you know, we'll leave the ch- child rape and all that stuff out of it and uh, all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be talked about tonight. And it's pretty much people know what happened to me and it's happened to them also. And I didn't want to take that to my grave either. And I'm not going to, I have no intention on it. So anybody or anybody uh, thinks I'm, I'm going to go ahead and leave that out. No, I'm not taking it to my grave. You're going to be hearing a lot about that in the near future. 
Now, kind of going in a different direction here, because I've always just curious about this and kind of where it came from, where it sparked. The Billy Jack Haynes name, obviously you were Billy Jack at one point and became Billy Jack Haynes. Where did that kind of just, where did that come from? Where did that name come from? Where did it emanate from? Uh, It emanated from the movie Billy Jack uh, with Tom Laughlin and uh, Dolores Taylor. It was um, uh, my dad's favorite movie. And this was uh, before he went totally blind. We went and seen the movie probably, I'm not kidding you, at least a half a dozen times. Uh, You know, I just, I love being with my dad so much. And we knew he was losing his sight. So we wanted to see as many We wanted to see as many. We wanted to see as many movies as we could before he we went blind. Hmm. So Billy Jack was it with Tom Laughlin and Dolores Taylor, and uh, that was when, when I decided to become Billy Jack. That was it. If that's the question you're getting to, yep. And then I guess they didn't want you to technically be Billy Jack as a movie, so you had to add the Haynes, right? And then you became Billy Jack Haynes, just so you wouldn't get sued or get in trouble or any kind of uh, legal issues. Yeah, the, the truth about that, the truth about that is that uh, I actually met Tom Laughlin in, uh, in, in Texas. He came down to the matches and absolute great guy. And I told him how much that my dad and I had admired him and he was there with Dolores Taylor his wife and um, they he asked me very kindly if I that was his gimmick that was his name if I would not use it and I says yes sir you're you're absolutely right I'm wrong could I use Haynes as my dad's last name Billy Jack Haynes and he said yes and uh, we shook hands, and I shook hands with his wife. And um, see, Fritz von Eric, he's he's, you know, he's passed away, but you know, God rest his soul. But he snookered me down there to be Billy von Eric. He wanted me to be Billy von Eric, not Billy Jack. And uh, I, I didn't go for that. And uh, that's why. You know, I never was in any territory for any long period of time. And those fans would have sniffed it right out. I mean, they were pretty smart fans down there because when they did the Lance Von Eric gimmick, who wasn't a real Von Eric, the fans hated it. So if they if they knew you weren't a real Von Eric, they found out. Obviously, you know, it wouldn't have gotten over at all. Well, Lance Von Eric, uh, you know, I I trained him. Oh wow. To, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. No. A lot of people don't know that. He actually lived at, uh, I had a few houses there in Oregon, and uh, he lived, actually lived with me in Oregon City, you know, when I had the dope money. And <laughs> I let him, I gave him a Corvette, everything to drive. I mean, I, I took care of that kid. And he was in Portland as uh, Ricky Vaughn. And if you look up uh, the pro wrestling buffs right now, if you want to look on the internet, you'll see Ricky Vaughn. And he broke in in 85. Uh, and were, we put the belt on him in Portland. And mm-hmm. I just, he was just a great guy. Got a, 
on a one to ten, he was he was a nine. This guy was just a super great guy and a great body. And then he became Lance or yeah, Lance Von Eric, and I lost track with him after that because my career went was so topsy turvy, going in and out, in and out. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but yeah, he's it was Lance Von Eric, and I lost track of him. What happened to him after that? I don't. I honestly do not even know. Do you? He- he was not well received in world class, and I believe now he owns his own business and he lives in Mexico. I believe the last thing that I've heard about him, but I don't know what the business is or what he does down there. But I believe he lives in Mexico. Wow, well, that's uh... quite a trip yeah. from uh, Portland to Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the. It's like I'm going through right now. I'm going through these emotional uh, roller coaster rides. Uh, I start thinking of my dad, and I just, it's hard for me to concentrate when you love somebody so much like that. And uh, you see him go through living hell on earth, end up dying on my 40th birthday. And uh, it was quite brutal. And everybody goes through it. You know, I'm not, it's not just me, everybody goes through pain. And it's how they handle it. And, you know, you know, we were talking about your dad a little bit, and we were talking about Billy Jack, obviously, the movie, but we didn't mention the hat. And I think so many people remember you with that hat, and I guess that does have a tie to the movie. But even I remember the, the wrestling figure obviously came with the hat as well. What was the, the symbolism with the hat? You were just kind of taking on the gimmick of Billy Jack, if you will? Yes, sir. That's what exactly what it was. I tried to play the gimmick to the, the best of my ability. And then when I, uh, in 84, I actually went to WWF the first time. And it was uh, strictly uh, the the father thing, you know, Vince uh, Vince's father, who could very well be my father, we don't know, had just passed away May 24th, 1984. So I went down there uh to the WWF to talk to Vince about it. And uh, Vince at that time didn't want nothing to do with it, you know, and it really pissed me off. And uh, uh, to the point to where I was just there one day and he was going to give me a major push. They put me on the front cover of the magazine uh, when I first went there with Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't get the answers that I wanted. And, um, so I left in one day, and that's where this year, you know, Billy Jack is here and there and here and there, and it's the truth. There's no way I can deny that. I was all over the map in pro wrestling. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee, a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students at Boston's Northeastern University. Today, the company is on a mission to get people energized with tasty caffeinated snacks. Every Eat Your Coffee bar is caffeinated with fair trade coffee, comparable to one cup, and is made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee pioneered a new 
category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee Bars. But, you know, it's it's funny that WrestleMania is in New York, New Jersey, because that seems to be one of the more rabid fan bases. And when you come to Mark Out at the Meadowlands this Sunday and you come to WrestleCon with, uh, with ESS Promotions this week, you're going to see these fans that literally invested so much time into that era. And John keeps talking about the action figures, you know, that program that you're on the cover of, the magazine. Like, we can close our eyes and remember those images. What like what is it about the fans remembering that? Is it just the the fact that that was such a a, a bygone era that we we had that access to you guys watching it on TV? Like what was it about the connection you had with the fans? Yeah, that's the amazing thing. And is this this John? No, that was Chad again. Okay, okay, um, yeah. That's the, the the really great part in my career was. I didn't. I got into wrestling backwards. You know, I didn't. I really didn't care about wrestling. It meant nothing to me. Zero, nothing. All I cared about was the almighty dollar. Just basically like what Vince cares about right now. And so, I actually grew into the sport. And it is a sport because every every wrestler out there is an athlete, male or female. I consider pro wrestlers being amongst the greatest athletes in the world, bar none. Uh, we're professional stuntmen. That's what we are. And sometimes the stunts go wrong. And I question the uh, 70-foot fall on hearts to his death. I, I, I'll come right out with it. I think, that, I, th- I think it was done on purpose. I think he was murdered. Been, I'm on the record of that. People can say what they want, but Vince McMahon went and paid $18 million of his own money instead of taking a chance and going to court and being thrown in prison for, for 20 years and losing his company. So that's my opinion on that. If he's not guilty, what's he paying with his own money and not letting the insurance pay for it? So that that's that. I fell in love with the business then. Uh, so I wanted to prove to my dad that I could do something with my career. And at that time, uh, you know, Vince and I were at odds and, uh, but he still gave me a push to where I was mainly just a semi main eventer. I, I never made it to the main events. Uh, every once in a while they, they would, that's when I was tagging up with uh, Hulk Hogan. But, um, I fell in love with the business and then the fans and then to the point to the camaraderie with the wrestlers and, uh, if I can tell you a quick story, but can I tell you about the honky tonk man? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, never in my life ever have I ever seen a, a man 
and uh, his name is Wayne Ferris, go into character like this guy did. And he he actually became my idol. I, I idolize this guy, and I'm glad to see him going into the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. But what he did was this amazing way he would go off into the corner and become with Wayne Ferris would turn into Elvis Presley uh, and and play the gimmick so extremely good. I mean, great, not good. Uh, a 10. He was a 10. And he, he you couldn't talk to him. He, he didn't want to be bothered. He was just in his own world. And that's what you got to be if you want to make top dollar and go into the ring. And he, if you remember Honky Tongue Man, uh, he played that gimmick to the T with Jimmy Hart, probably uh, besides Bobby Heenan, the second greatest manager in pro wrestling history. And uh, Bobby Heenan, no one could could com- you know compete with Bobby. And but but I just you know, I was amazed how Honky Tonk Man went into his gimmick. And then you have to like it's, you got to come down afterwards. You got to calm down and and get out of your character. And that's what Hulk Hogan's problem is. He can't get out of his character. No matter where he goes, he's always Hulk Hogan. He wants to be identified as Hulk Hogan. And I guess you can't blame him in a way because that's him. No matter where he is, but he's he's got he's got to let go of that gimmick he's, or drive him insane. You know, I'm surprised he's not insane now. Yeah, it's funny with uh, the Honky Tonk Man. He said it even on the air with us that, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but he would talk the game to make you want to see him get his ass kicked. And what he would do is is he would, you know, act like the tough guy. And then when it was finally time for him to, you know, get his comeuppance, he'd back off, he'd run away, he'd hide behind Jimmy Hart, he'd hide behind Sherry Martell, and he played it to perfection. So that's uh, that's really cool about the uh, the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, exactly right. And 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 once again, you guys, the way he went into character, and which is what we are. We're a gimmick. We're a character. Uh, and to Vince's genius, he'll come up with it. Uh, it the, the whole problem is, like we say, is him how he took care of the wrestlers. It, that's the whole squabble. But as far as his genius and the gimmicks, uh, he was he was an absolute brilliant, the best of the best. The, the point is though, getting into character right along, Randy Savage and him to me were the two best of all time ever getting into character in the ring. Oh yeah. And that's another match. That's actually one of the first matches I ever saw was you versus the macho man. Randy Savage is a, uh, not a lost gem, but it's one of those. If you've ever seen it, you will not forget it. You, you, you two going square <laughs> head to head in the squared circle. What a sight to be seen. Yeah, I, I have seen actually, um, I was told by a friend of mine that they're putting a lot of matches I used to have on the internet. And I have basically not got involved in that end of it. And for the first time I've actually seen matches um, and it's, it just gives you goosebumps you know, to, to go back that far in life. And I've seen the one with Randy, a couple of matches with Randy and you go back. And then once again, the love you have for the, the camaraderie. Uh, and I, I used to be such a tough, hard nosed guy in my life. 
I find myself, uh, you know, breaking down watching these uh, watching these matches and knowing the guys have passed away, and 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 the gals that gave their heart and soul to it. And uh, you guys understand that we've already went over this, and you understand the camaraderie and the love that we have for each other. And no matter what, I don't care what. I'll back a wrestler as far as I can back them with everything I got, no matter if they're even wrong or if I'm wrong, they back me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable camaraderie. And before we kind of get into the, the wind down portion of the show, we got to mention WrestleMania three and Hercules. And we've talked about Hercules on this show at, at great length, such uh, such another larger than life personality i mean you think about those those arms you think about his chest you think of the chains and obviously you two in the battle of the full nelson when you think about those matches with hercules uh does it kind of take you back to that golden era because you guys were really i would say you were one of the semi-main events of that huge pontiac silverdome 93,000 wrestlemania 3 show you and uh, the mighty hercules yeah they uh we i think there was like 10 matches or 12 matches um, we went on second, but uh, the reason we went on second, uh, it was actually a good move on Vince's part because we, Bobby Heenan was also managing Andre the Giant. And if they, we, we would have been too close, like say ninth or something like that, it would have been too close to the actual match with, with Andre the Giant against Hulk. So they put us on second, and in that match, uh, HIV had just came out and so everybody was afraid of blood and I remember when it first came out because the wrestlers were even like no 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 they wouldn't be around anybody who bled and we worked the angle out Hercules and I did that that night and to where I got color or use a razor blade to cut my head and I've done that well over a couple hundred times in the industry back in the old school. Well, this particular time uh, when I was supposed to do it, there was like several cameras and like a camera three was supposed to be off me and supposed to go up in the ring uh, with uh, Hepner, the referee, and Bobby Heenan. Well, the camera stayed on me. And if you watch WrestleMania three for anybody who's watched WrestleMania three, watch that match. You'll see I'm on the floor. You'll actually see me shaking my wrist. I'm trying to get the razor blade out of my wrist with my hands because the camera's supposed to be off me. I saw that it was on me, so I couldn't get the razor blade out. So I had to get into the ring knowing I'm going to be plastered with the chain uh, by Hercules. And to get the blood... Uh, I have to use the razor. Well, what what happened was, you know, I kayfaved it uh, to, to the, uh, Dave Hepner, who was a referee, and to Bobby Heenan. I said, Bobby, I, I didn't get my Bleazade. We talk this carny talk where only we can understand it. You throw a Z in front of it. You don't understand the word I'm saying, but we do. So... Uh, uh, Hercules had to lay it in. I said, just home run me, man. And if you watch the chain, you'll see he plastered me, I mean, at least three times, as hard as he could hit me with the chain. And it opened up 
old scar wounds. And so that blood was real blood, hard way juice, it's called. And then when I was on, I, I finally got the razor blade out, and I was so out of it myself, I took the razor <laughs> and cut myself after it was already bleeding like a stuck pig anyway. But I did use it at the end. You can clearly see that. And um, it wasn't one of my better days as far as using the razor blade, let's put it that way. But it, we weren't supposed to be bleeding at that time. I don't know if Vince did it as a rib to me, but a lot of the fans were turned off by the blood because of HIV that just came out. And as we hit the wind-down button, we start to wind it down. That is just one of those memorable moments as far as you and Hercules WrestleMania three and the Battle of Soul Nelsons. People just don't forget stuff like that, like we've mentioned before, the Golden Era, things like that. Is Hercules one of your you know favorite opponents? Obviously, maybe Macho Man's up there as well. Is Hercules one of your favorite opponents of all time? Oh, absolutely. Um, there was uh, my my favorite opponents. Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I said in my last interview, uh, I had a podcast about, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago uh, or a month ago, something like that. And they just put it out. And it's just as honest as I could be, which I always try to be. I was so lucky to wrestle the the biggest names in the industry, like say Rick Rude and I done angles and, Rick and I were extremely close. I mean, to like brother close. Uh, I, I loved that man, and, and, he, and he loved me. And Roddy Piper lived 30 miles away from me. I loved that man 40 years, and he loved me as brothers. Hercules Hernandez bought my home in Tampa, Florida, uh, I had a home in Tampa. He, he was actually my, my, my wife's home. And uh, he bought it. He passed away in that home. Uh, these are things that are just brutal on you. And, yeah, uh, Herc, and then you go Randy Savage. I mean, just think, just think of the guys that I've been in the ring with and all that talent. Uh, uh, Bret Hart. I mean, just you can go on and on with these guys. Uh, Vince had the greatest talent, the greatest roster of wrestlers that you could ever have, and I was fortunate to have wrestled these guys and, and love them like brothers, and and to this day would do anything for them. And I I just hope they they feel that way about me after you know some of the things I've done with the industry that I was in that I'm ashamed of. And Kurt Henning is hard for me to talk about uh, because, yeah, I knew Kurt when he first broke into business in, uh, in, uh, in 82, he was with Portland wrestling and him and the uh, playboy buddy Rose uh, and I tagged up against the clan out there in Portland. And we, we sold out everywhere out there. I mean, Kurt Henning was at that time wasn't on steroids, and he finally got on him. I said, "You got to get on him, Kurt, or you're not going to make it." And he got on it, and look what Mr. Perfect done. He became sensational, not because of the steroids, because he worked in the ring and kept working and working and working. 
and got a gimmick, Mr. Perfect. And, um, and I introduced him to the vitamin C. And uh, I think you know what happened to him. And uh, that, that hurts. That's the one that hurts the most is Kurt Henning because he over, overdosed on, the, on, on cocaine. And that goes right directly to me. And uh, as the fans or who's ever listening to this podcast of yours has to understand if they were in my shoes how much it would hurt. And it does hurt. And it will continue to hurt until I die. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, I've, I've been blessed to be with a lot of talent and and the way you guys have ran this here show tonight, you know, I haven't interrupted you. You haven't interrupted me. I think you guys put on one class act. And this uh, this Sunday, you know, at the Meadowlands here is going to be one great, great show. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, thanks to you guys. And we're going to love having you there. I mean, talk about rare guests. Billy Jack is a rare guest. And one of those guys, like you said, from that blessed era that, that, that the fans always want to meet. It doesn't matter how many eras go by and how many you know things happen. Everyone always says oh, that, that group of guys they always want to meet those original, you know, those first couple WrestleMania guys. It always happens. Yeah, well, you know, Mark out at the Meadowlands is uh, there's going to be some guys here I haven't seen in for thirty. Well, WrestleMania three was 32 years ago. So it's been 32 years since I've seen these guys and it's going to be a big reunion for me. And um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And um, you guys are obviously going to be there, right? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> if we're not there, there'll be a lot of unhappy people. Trust me. <laughs> we will, we will definitely be there. But Billy Jack, before we, before we wrap it up and before we go into the last big plug here for ESS promotions and mark out at the Meadowlands and WrestleCon, the way we like to wrap up the interviews, and you obviously you've you've just shared so much, and I can't tell you how uh, special it is for us to spend the time with you, a just as fans, but also having this conversation. But when the wrestling fans sit back and they look at Billy Jack Haynes from the wrestling perspective, now you've shared all the the amazing things you've done in your life, and I say that because it's been so much you've done. Um, what do you want the fans to remember about Billy Jack Haynes? Is it that just chiseled physique? Is it the hat, the colors, Portland? What do you want the fans to remember? WrestleMania three, perhaps. What is it we can circle in and kind of focus on Billy Jack Haynes? So that question was asked at the last podcast that I was on. And uh, I looked back and I really didn't answer it correctly. So I'm going to get an opportunity now to kind of correct myself or actually give an answer. And I said it uh, about three quarters of the way of your podcast here tonight. And that is that, you know, I didn't, I didn't love the business at the beginning. Uh, the business grew on me to the point to where, you know, uh, you know, being molested as a kid, as a four year old, and there's been plenty of people molested. And we didn't get too far into that. But what I found is the wrestlers became my honest, other than my blind father, my true friends. And 
And once again, the camaraderie part, uh, it came to a point where, you know, I loved the business at the end. I loved the wrestlers at the end of, of my career. At the beginning, I did not. So I think it's just the opposite of what mo- mostly happens in pro wrestling. And uh, I think, I, I, I don't know if that's the answer that we're looking for here, but I just, the, the love I have for the wrestlers. Now, not all, there's a few that, that, that you just, you know, I had quite a few locker room fights that that had to happen, you know, to establish yourself. And uh, it's just part of the of the business. But uh, other than that, hey, the camaraderie and the love I have for the boys and a lot of the women, uh, like to say Luna Vachon, uh, Sherry Martell, there's Elizabeth. There's a lot of women that have passed away too. And uh, we don't want to overlook that. They gave their life for this business. And uh, so that's it. Uh, I, I didn't love the business at the beginning, but I ended up loving it so much at the end, especially after my dad died. I mean, I, I turned to a lot of wrestlers for help, and they were always there for me, always. I mean, they never turned me down. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for everything you've shared tonight. And this coming weekend, not only will you be at WrestleCon, not only will you be at Mark Out at the Meadowlands, but head on over to ESSpromotions.com if you want to reserve a spot to meet Billy Jack Haynes, get a picture with Billy Jack Haynes, find out all the signing times, all the uh, all the pertinent information. And uh, I, for one, and I know John can uh, definitely second this, I cannot wait to shake your hand in person and thank you on Sunday for coming on with us tonight, sharing all this. And uh, honestly, I, and I'd hope you'd come back. I'd love to talk to you again in the future because this was uh, this was quite an experience, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, and one more thing, real quickly, it's the fans that honestly make pro wrestling. And without the fans, you've got nothing. So yeah, the fans are part of that love, and they they reach out. They believe they believe in the business, and so when they believe in it, it makes you wrestle that much harder. And so the fans and the wrestlers, I, grew, I I actually fell in love with. Hey, and Billy Jack, you're on Twitter as well, aren't you? Are you doing the uh, the tweeting now? I just got on. In fact, I've only, uh, I think I've only tw- <laughs> four or five times I've used Twitter. <laughs> and uh, it's a dangerous tool for me. If you tell the truth, it's a dangerous tool. Uh, and... It's something that could very well, uh, <laughs> yeah, for me to be on Twitter, it's dangerous for a lot of people and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and myself also, but you'll never get nothing but the truth out of me. I have, we didn't talk about a lot of things that, uh, we could have talked about, but if you, if you really tuned in, you see, I'm not afraid to talk about anything that's the truth. No, you are not, and I would. That's exactly why I'd love to talk to you again in the future because there's uh, a lot of stuff that we didn't touch on because uh, we're focused on Mark out at the Meadowlands right now. But I just want to throw out there too, if the listeners do want to hit you up on Twitter, it's at bjhwrestling.com. Obviously, Billy Jack Haynes, so BJH Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, you've retweeted a Mark out at the Meadowlands stuff, and we appreciate that. And again, just can't wait to uh, come over and say hi to you this Sunday. Okay, we'll see you this Sunday, and uh, hey, you guys, 
on a scale, like we talked about scales of 1 to 10, I'm going to put you guys at a 9.9. Thank you so very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, and uh, we will see you then. Okay, God bless. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.